Welcome back to the California Work Comp Report. Today is Tuesday, January 26th, and the topic of today's discussion is what the work comp physician should do when they receive a deposition. We go over some helpful tips and tricks, as well as some examples of good and not so good interactions between doctors and attorneys. Without further ado, here we go. We are back in the studio today. It's uh, me, Corey Olson, and I'm here with Dr. John Alchemy. How are you, John? Hey, Corey, doing great. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, today, our topic is on uh, depositions on impairment ratings and what to do when you, a work comp physician, uh, gets a deposition from an attorney. Uh, and I guess we'll lead off with uh, why would an attorney give a deposition to a physician? And am I saying that right? Does the attorney give a deposition to the physician? Indeed they do. And um, the person who is being deposed, um, mm -hmm. the physician in this scenario is called the deponent. So um, the deponent is being asked questions by the attorney. And usually there's two attorneys there, one from the applicant, one from the defense. And sometimes a third one, as we'll talk a little bit more about in the podcast. And is it generally, I'm guessing that a, an attorney will come in and, and you know, uh, depose a physician when there's something about the claim that not, isn't really necessarily, uh, well, I guess maybe suspicious. I mean, if, if you're so far that you have a, an attorney on the line, then, you know, there, there has to be some sort of suspicion, something uh, that needs to be sort of very much clarified in the eyes of the law. Well, the, these, these depositions can come about for a variety of reasons. The most common one is to clarify the report that is served by the doctor. And this can be a primary treating physician that gets deposed. It can be a qualified medical evaluator, an independent medical evaluator, um, or whatever the equivalent is in whatever state. But um, attorneys are usually deposing because there's an applicant and a defense, meaning that the injured worker has become represented. Mm. Um, the claim is getting to the point where it's ready for settlement. Um, they've likely reached maximal medical improvement as they will in our scenario here today because we're talking about impairment ratings. Mm -hmm. But they can also be called if there's a question about causation. You know, a doctor says, hey, this... Um, uh, condition of rheumatoid arthritis was flared by the work environment, A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not like they fell down and hurt their back. That's usually pretty straightforward, but sometimes yeah. the causation will be um, a, a, a cause for deposition as well. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah the, uh, uh, hi doc. Um, this is the attorney. I was just curious because I, uh, your, uh, you know, your, your patient has a rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis in their hands and uh, they only work with their feet. So, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, <laughs> there the, you go. Yeah. Our, our F word fraud is pro mm -hmm. a, a lot of what they're checking for, but not everything. Uh, not everything. No. Okay. No. Okay. And then, um, so you're a physician and, uh, you know, or a physician, uh, you know, gets a deposition. What questions do the attorneys ask in the deposition? Well, you know, usually they, they start out and it really depends who um, is asking the questions and what they're really looking for. Sometimes it's just a fact finding mission. Um, they'll always open it up. You know, there's, it's just like you're in court. So you have to, you know, raise your right hand and say that you're going to tell the truth and you answer your questions. They usually then want to go in and um, find out a little bit about your credentials. So they might ask you about 
where you went to residency, what specialty you do, um, maybe how many depositions you've done in the past. So they're trying to get a feel about um, how seasoned you are um, as a deponent. And, and that will kind of set the tone for how much the process will get explained to you. So for instance, if you've been in many depositions, you'll just say, I'll waive, you know, the details on, you know, my rights as a deponent and, and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're brand new to it, they'll usually just walk you through. And it's, you know, it's an amiable thing. It's not really contentious or at least not contentious at that point. Typically. Yeah, you're not, you're not like a nemesis of, of all parties or anything like that. It's not like a, a chess game or something. Yeah. And most of the time, to be, to be clear, you know, these are, these are very straightforward, you know, depositions. Um, people aren't out to, you know, make each other look mm-hmm. bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a, a, a friction situation, although they can turn that way sometimes, but in the most part, you know, they're just trying to get more information to fill in the blanks and hopefully come up with uh, some better terms for settlement and agreeing on a settlement price. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So you have your sort of general questions that the attorney will ask. Um, but then after those questions are out of the way, then you begin to get questions that are a bit more specific to the claim. Um, what would those questions uh, kind of entail? Well, commonly they'll, they'll start by asking uh, how long you've known uh, the patient, um, what the relationship is. Are you a primary treater? Are you a QME? If you're a QME, how many times have you seen the patient? Um, what's your recollection, recollection of the last visit? Um, they will uh, commonly start asking questions about uh, the provider or the doctor's um, take on, on what kind of historian the patient is. Um, you know, are they, do they seem to be consistent with the history that they've been providing you throughout the visits you've seen them, um, and, uh, your take on, you know, their level of sincerity and the accuracy of the reporting they do to you as a doctor. So, you know, does their, does their pain tend to make sense with what you're finding on physical exam? Um, what they're telling you is consistent with what they can do at home and at work and those types of things. So, it's just sort of a little setting up um, of, of everyone to understand, you know, maybe you've only seen this person once as a QME, maybe you've been seeing them for five years mm-hmm. as a primary treating physician. Um, they might ask questions about, do they miss their appointments? Um, you know, are they punctual? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do they behave in the exam room? And those can obviously vary. Like if you're seeing someone for a back, the questions, you know, are very different than, someone who's claiming post-traumatic stress, you know, and, and a lot more behavioral questions around that, of course. Absolutely. So, yeah, because most of the time, the insurance, all they have to go off of uh, from your from your patient is what you put in the reports. That's so, absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, say the, um, you know, as we're very familiar with, say that like some of the data is inconsistent and um, maybe either that could be on part of the doctor maybe in a hurry or something like that, or maybe not understanding the AMA guides correctly. Um, Maybe also like they could have gotten uh, whether earnest or dubious, you know, uh, uh, information from the injured patient that just kind of, uh, you know, kind of slipped under the, the uh, physician's radar. And it could have just been like a slip of the patient's memory or something that just kind of, you know, flew under everybody else's radar, but you know, it's kind of the insurance's job to catch it. 
Uh, well, there's so. there's there's definitely all of that. And then sometimes there's pieces of information that the doctor is not aware of, like maybe the patient had a pre-existing condition or risk factor or comorbidity. Mm-hmm. It was maybe in their health plan chart that they never told you about or didn't mm-hmm. think to tell you or you didn't think to ask. So there's some of that that goes on, too. And all of these are just sort of preparatory questions um, to make sure kind of everyone's on the same playing field. Yeah. And then um, and then we start digging into the impairment report, which is kind of the focus here today of our of our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it would be really nice if just the physician and the insurance adjuster and the injured patient could just get in the just 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 go to the bar and get a beer or something, mm-hmm. you know, and just get to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, because then that would be really bad for the attorneys and uh, workers comp because, you know. I, I think that would bring its own set of issues. That's yeah, right. it really would. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with the wide variation of the types of reports and like we've talked about before, and even in our most recent episode, like the specific language that the doctors are using and everything, there's, there's going to be a lot of variation as to, again, um, kind of very similar to the relationship between the patient and the adjuster, the relationship between the adjuster and the physician. Um, you know, there's the, the, the adjuster is not going to just call up the physician, you know, maybe prior to the, the deposition and be like, how well do you understand the guides? But that might be something that the attorney asks. Um, and, you know, is that something that they ask? And, and you know, how does that go when that, when that happens? Well, it's definitely a question that comes up, particularly when there is disagreement about um, the impairment rating, which is frequently. Mm-hmm. And and remember, we're at a table with three people. We have the deponent, who's the, the doctor, we have the applicant, and we have the defense attorney. And it's very likely that all three have different levels of understanding of the AMA guide. So for instance, the attorneys might be pretty familiar with you know multiple chapters in the AMA guides just because of the scope of their practice and the types of injuries they represent um, or defend against. And the doctor uh, may be very narrow in his or her understanding of the AMA guides, because maybe they're a spine surgeon, or maybe they're a hand doctor, you know, so they're not going to know about, you know, pulmonary function tests in the pulmonary chapter or rating vertigo, you know, and your nose throat, you know, chapter. So everyone comes to the table with a very um, different background. And then there's a little bit of question answer about, okay, let's try to figure out where we all are on our understanding of the AMA guides. Um, there's sometimes some questions about, you know, California, for example, they want to know if you know the labor code and so forth. And of course you usually do. I personally just like to, you know, if I get asked that question by an attorney, I, I just politely ask, well, you know, I'd like you to clarify for me your understanding of how to answer the question in the context of labor code X, Y, Z. And, and so, it's, it's more of an educational um, relationship and, and cross-questioning rather than you don't know this. And, you know, so therefore you really, you know, your, your answer doesn't count. You know, we, we try to avoid that, that mm-hmm. kind of situation. So if you're going to be asked a question in context of the labor code, it's more than acceptable just to ask the attorneys to clarify it. And, you know, they, they don't want this thing to drag out any longer than they have to. And they want to make sure that it can get the most valid answers out of the opponents. So they're going to do most of the time, everything they can to help you understand labor codes, or at least how they're understanding them. 
you know, I'm having a really hard time wrapping my mind around people having a disagreement regarding different understandings of a standardized text. That's <laughs> that's sarcasm, of course. That happens all the time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, extends to all different subjects, um, some quite relevant to the news and things like that. But either way... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's a tall order, you know, and the, the book's confusing. It's not very well written. Um, oh, yeah. And, and then you have to learn a new version of it every couple of years. <laughs> well, depending on what the state, you know, yeah. decides to do. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, but in general, there's there's a little bit of uh, question and answer to kind of um, get each other's level of understanding of the AMA guides. And yeah, so, so that maybe takes 10 or 15 minutes to go around on that. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's a, um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some like ancient, ancient word for that sort of thing. Um, and uh, if, if I remember it uh, by the next episode, or if anybody is listening and, and knows Bring such a word, you know, feel free to email <laughs> us at uh, uh, c.olson at rate-fast.com. So Bring it on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bring it on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, I, we would love to get some listener mail or something like that, you know, ask, <laughs> ask a question. We'll do a, we'll do a whole segment on Make the episode. A podcast out of it. If it's a good one. That's oh, right. heck yeah. Um, so, so you're here with the attorney, you've discussed your understanding of the, um, AMA guides. Now, um, how do you, uh, I guess like present the impairment rating to the attorney and how would you kind of walk them through the process of like how you did it? Uh, for example, so the, the process of walking them through the way that I do it and the way I recommend it's done is you basically start in the same order of your impairment report. So there's usually an intake about uh, the pain and symptoms and how the patient was um, asked those questions and how you scored their pain. And in some of the other podcasts, we've talked about pain scoring and so forth, or at least the process I use. Mm -hmm. But but you want to start and talk about, okay, the patient told me that their pain was five out of 10. Mm -hmm. And because it's five out of 10, this is what it tells me about their ability to do things and how it impacts them. And then uh, take them through kind of about the concept of frequency. So if they have a five out of 10 pain, and it's 50% of the time, you know, and, and walking down that and just giving a brief overview of it. And if the attorneys have questions, they'll stop or ask questions and, and get it clarified. So I try to go through that. Next, um, a big hurdle sometimes is activities of daily living. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's usually a couple of stops in that section, and they want to know how you came up with this or what the concepts are. And we've done some podcasts on activities of daily living, and mm -hmm. those are important to listen to if you're a doctor and you're doing work comp because you know those are probably the the first and most important sections to show a solid understanding to the attorney that you know what you're talking about. You've done this before. You didn't guess at these numbers. The stuff you wrote down was, was, you know, not an estimate. It was actually what you think your medical opinion and what you're standing behind in the report going into this and, and the basis of, you know, the impairment rating and any adjustments that they're going to be asking about later. So, it's really important on this foundation that you get that pain and you get that ADL out there and you make it clear to them that this is a systematic approach and this was just not something that you threw together and threw a yeah. dart at the board and came up with a number. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you're a work comp doctor, 
uh, and you don't feel comfortable about the activities of daily living, first off, get comfortable <laughs> with them. Get uh, really comfortable. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, boy, do we have good news for you. Just go to our blog and you yeah. will, even if, if you have, if you've never went to a day of medical school, uh, you'll probably still know ADLs like the back of your hand if you spend an hour on our on our blog uh, at blog.rate-fast.com. Um, so yeah, okay. So so the attorney now has an understanding of your process. Um, you know, we're all on the same page with the AMA guides. Uh, they've they've given you the questions, so they kind of know how you do it, and they know your your relationship. Uh, with the client. And so now, you know, you've walked them through the report. So do they, you know, do they go back to their office and then the, the Jeopardy music starts playing and then you see, you know, uh, what happens at that point? Um, what What's usually sort of next? Yeah, the, the next step is moving into the physical exam. Um, and here's really where I see a lot of gaps in the understanding of attorneys. Mm -hmm. uh, in these depositions, because, you know, the AMA guides has, has a very specific way and a very specific level of detail, you know, that measurements are supposed to be obtained, how they're supposed to be organized, how, you know, what, what, what that data set looks like to, to validate, you know, so for instance, if you're like doing a risk, you want measurements on the other side, you know, you want at least two measurements, you want them within 10%, but the attorneys don't always understand that. Um, they may have read it in the AMA guides, but maybe they've never actually seen it in practice, mm -hmm. or maybe they don't stop to think that, Hey, all of the measurements on the wrist end in zero and five, and maybe these aren't actual measurements and maybe these are visual estimates, you know, and they're obviously supposed to be actual measurements. So, so it's, it's very rare if ever that you find a perfect data set in an impairment report and that's okay. Yeah. As long as it's disclaimed and understood by everyone that, hey, the numbers we're looking at may not be perfectly brought down from the mountain in the AMA guides, and here's how they were done, and here's how I interpreted them for the rating. So, you know, when you're going through the rating, and at least when I'm listening to the types of questions that attorneys are asking when we're moving through the physical exam, it tells me a lot about their understanding and their overview and their grasp on the actual, what I call the rateable data set in the report. Because in the report, there's so much stuff that's just, it's sort of there. And I don't want to say it's window dressing, but it's stuff that you do in an exam that really doesn't have anything to do with the impairment report or the whole person impairment value at the end of the day. So when you're dealing with someone who knows their stuff, they're going to zero in on some of the errors or some of the incompleteness of the data that should be there that's not. So for instance, if you're doing a risk, um, you know, someone who has a really strong grasp on the AMA guides may, may say, hey, I see you got some x-rays here that you ordered. Uh, I noticed that they're not clenched fist, meaning, you know, the, the patient has x-rays taken when they're making a firm grasp because that can reveal gaps in the bones that aren't there when you just take a normal hand x-ray. And that's actually one of the, one of the pieces of rating for a wrist rating is a clenched fist x-ray. Oh, um, yeah. But you don't know to look for that unless you know it should be there before you look at the report. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah, so, so there's all these little things. And like I said, everyone's got a, got a different level of organization and understanding. But 
as you move further through the report, it becomes very clear who at the table has a good understanding of the impairment report and who does not. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk just a little bit about that at the conclusion, because when the discussion starts, um, that's really the time that you want to you want to start, you know, walking people through, you know, some of the finer details of the impairment rating, because re remember, people initially, when they look at an impairment report, and it can be an attorney, a doctor, adjuster, a patient, they have a an emotional um, relationship with that whole person impairment. This is too high. This is too low. You know, this is wrong. This Absolutely. is right. And, and when you get to the end of this discussion, you want to be able to tell them that this number that we have before us is not too high. It's not too low. It is the exact rating that this individual deserves yes. because there's a lot of little offshoot questions about pain add-ons and Elmer's Guzman and all this stuff that start to swirl. But mm -hmm. if you can walk them through, you know, how you got to this particular number, why it was chosen, it really tends to abort a lot of that horse trading that can go on at the end of these depositions. You need to, uh, <clears throat> you know, walk with confidence in it. Well, and, and have your, uh, the this just stuff in your impairment report to make it you can't just bs your way you can't just fake it till you make it with the impairment report but uh but yeah yeah um oh definitely yeah i'm sure because because the it, it's sort of naive to think that you know these things are entirely uh, uh emotionless interactions without yes. you know any any sort of thing there is going to be somebody that takes the lead and that, you know, that's going to be the person, as you said, with the most uh, knowledge in the top, uh, uh, in the subject. And so, yeah, you know, I, I, does it just curious, does it reflect uh, say, okay, say, say you get uh, deposed or something, you're, you're a physician that gets deposed and then, you know, you have the meeting uh, with, you know, you walk, you walk the attorney through and then you have, you know, the, the meeting with the, with the all parties and everything. And you just demonstrate yourself to be like the, he who knows, or they who know about the, uh, the AMA guides and everything. Are you then less likely to be deposed in the future? Cause you know, the adjuster might have maybe in their notes or something like, Oh, this guy is legit. Like, you know, like, um, his style. Well, sure. You yeah, know. sure. You know, yeah. you, you'll be recognized for, for your level of impairment rating, you know, writing, and then of course, for your ability to do depositions, and then your reputation will become known, you know, depending on how long you've been in the business with mm -hmm. the different law firms and, and so forth about, you know, how well you know your stuff, how well you depose and how accurate your reports are at the end of the deposition. And if you've changed your opinion and things. And one thing I will, I will caution, um, doctors listening to this, if you haven't done depositions in the past, one of the more dangerous things you can do is to come in with an attitude, you know, that uh, oh, my oh. impairment rating is perfect, because, you know, that is not going to set a good tone, um, or build any collegiality for the for the deposition, you know, you, you don't want this to be friction, you don't want it to be, you know, adversarial, although certainly I've been in somewhere you know, that the tone has been less than friendly, but yeah. for the most part, you know, you, you want to appear that this was my humble opinion. This is the way I did it. This is how I organized it. Um, if, 
there's a mistake, you own up to it. If there's something that's incomplete, you own up to it. If you've misinterpreted something, you own up to it. And that really gets everyone's defenses down. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Listen, I'm, I am not, you know, as, as I made clear many times, I am not a doctor, uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, but um, I can't, I can tell uh, any doctor who might not have heard this out of life experience that um, you, w what you don't want is a, is a, is a severe act of hubris on your own turf, because that sort of debasing is uh, scarring for life. So, yeah, yeah so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, uh, be humble when you're getting <laughs> when you're getting deposed. <laughs> well, you know, and, and when I started way back when, um, fortunately, I had a good attorney mentor, and his advice is always make these educational. Always be in there to be teaching and to be helping others learn. And you're really not going to go wrong if that's your intent going into a deposition. You know, don't be defensive. Don't be, you know, angry. Don't be passive aggressive. Um, be very open and be very honest and be helping and ask for questions when you need help. I think that's the other thing in these um, in these impairment ratings, uh, particularly in the depositions. You know, if if you're being asked a question and the attorney's, you know, saying, "Hey, well, what about on page blah blah blah." Um, I always say, great, let's all open up the book and let's take a look at this together because sometimes it's been read out of context. Sometimes it's not what they thought it was, or sometimes mm -hmm. it's not what you thought it was. And I'm still learning, you know, having done many depositions and many impairment reports, I'm still learning the nuances of the guides. And oh, sometimes yeah. it says this on this page, but you go, you know, one chapter up and it says something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for for better or for worse. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. said you said what I was thinking as well, which is you know, uh, you you were saying you know pre prepare prepare to teach, you know, prepare for for them to learn, and and you you said it before I I did, but yeah, be prepared to learn also because you know the reason you know you a, a deposition isn't an affront to your your character as as you mentioned it is no uh yeah it is like it you know i mean a, a, a different context of the way you said it but you know it is an emotional uh decision making process and sometimes uh we make decisions with strong emotions which might not be uh the first you know the first thing plus i mean yeah. you know you 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 hear a like if you've never been deposed before you're like a brand new work comp doctor you're kind of you're kind of winging it because you haven't discovered the majesty of rate fast express yet and um mm -hmm. and then you get deposed i mean you might feel some type of way if you've never had to communicate with a uh 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 an attorney pointed at you instead of uh you know you pointing them at somebody else or something um so yeah yeah be prepared to learn yeah, it can it can be very overwhelming. Um, and, you know, the, the the doctor just needs to remember, hey, this is your report, you're an expert in your own report, you know why you wrote it, mm -hmm. um, but you're not an expert in all things. So, you know, you have to be, like I said, willing to accept some other, you know, points of, of view and be willing to say, hey, I don't know. The, the other thing I think that, that gets forgotten a lot too by, um, by doctors is, if there's a problem in your report, you know, or something that you've missed or something that needed to be considered, A, you can always take a time out of the deposition and, and talk off record. So I think that that gets forgotten sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or B, you can say, great, let's write that down, send me a letter, 
I'll clarify that in a supplemental report and you move on uh, because not everything can or should be settled right at the time of the deposition. So, you know, give yourself time to think about it, to step away from it for a while, to really understand what the question is, you know, have the attorneys write it down in letters and send it out. Um, you know, and, and don't forget that that's a great tool to put the brakes on a situation where you feel like you're maybe saying things you shouldn't say, or you're talking about things you don't really understand that well. So, so keep that in your pocket for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, everybody is best case scenario. Everybody is uh, on, on the same page now or something to that effect. Um, and uh, so what, what does wrapping up the, the deposition entail? Well, wrapping up the deposition, commonly you've walked everyone through the report. Um, maybe you've talked about the apportionment. Maybe you've talked about something in future care um, that's a little unusual that you think the patient you know, needs and why. So um, you, you kind of bring everyone to your conclusions. Um, there'll be some silence sometimes. And then, and then the questions will come out about the impairment value, you know, why is it this? Why is it 17? Why wasn't it adjusted? You know, all of these questions. But if you've done a good job of laying down your, your um, underlying support as you've gone through it, those, those questions will still come, but they'll be very easy to answer. So for instance, if, if you've educated the attorneys on how the ADLs are scored and why they're given the weight they are, the question about is this person eligible for a pain add-on, which commonly are going to get that uh, both from both sides. You know, the applicants traditionally want to add on more pain and the defense, you know, does not. Mm. This is what these people do. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be able to answer that question that, yep, this person's getting a one out of three because, you know, their pain scored moderate when it was averaged across, you know, the whole day, you know, mm -hmm. or the whole week or something mm -hmm. like that. Something, something with some substance in it to give a basis. What you don't want to say is, well, I just think that this person, you know, seems to me like they should get a pain add on and, and sort of, you know, the longstanding answer has always been, well, it's my medical opinion, you know, and I always get a little frustrated when I hear that in depositions or when I hear doctors say that because it's not really um, a real answer to say that someone should get an extra, you know, add on of 2% because you've been a doctor for one year, 10 years, yeah. 15 years. And that's your opinion. I mean, it yeah. just doesn't make any sense, you know, but yet it gets used over and over. Oh, I was going to, I had a, I had an analogy to use, but then I feel like that would uh, uh, it was, it was, in, it was going to be delivered innocently, but I feel like the analogy I was going to use just make us more, <laughs> make us enemies. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, don't, don't, I mean, listen, like, you know, the, again, this is just sort of one of those life experience things, you know, if, if one party says, well, you know, it's just my opinion as a doctor or something like that then you're just as likely to get like you've seen movies where this exact same thing happens and it'd be like well this is my opinion as a lawyer and then i'll see yeah. you in court you know or something oh, yeah. like that yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah it plays both ways for sure yeah yeah sure. yeah um and we were going to we were going to get into uh uh you know what happens in an Al almarez guzman uh, in the case of an Almarez Guzman, which is something I'm still learning about. So feel free to be as uh, descriptive as you want about that. <laughs> 
Yeah, so the, the real common questions at the end become, you know, the reasons for a pain add-on and then the reason for an Elmeraz Guzman. And the Elmeraz Guzman is, you know, California's version of saying, could this person's injury exceed the values that the AMA guides have written within the pages? It's pretty, pretty simple. Rare. It's as simple as that. Oh, okay. yeah, it, yeah, it can yeah. be made confusing by putting in a lot of labor codes and, and case law and stuff. But that's basically all it is, is yeah. that, you know, is this person's WPI an, an accurate reflection of what they've lost as a result of this injury? And if it's not, how much should it be? You know, how okay. much should it be added on? And, and that's the, and that's basically the same thing for the pain out on too. They're just some different ways of doing it essentially. Yeah. And that can, that, so that generally happens sort of like after, um, the claim is closed. The, the... No, no, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed after the rating's been provided. So oh, I see, you, I see. you do your AMA rating, you get a number, you know, on yeah. the table. Yeah. Um, but then you have to look at the impact of the injury and say, is this number really reflective of Absolutely. how this patient is able to function or not function? And then Elmeraz Guzman allows you to adjust that. And that mm -hmm. uh, opens up a whole can of worms because yeah. there's no rule on how to do the adjustment, just that you can do an adjustment. And that makes it really messy. You're in the mind palace of interpretation at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 the way it's seen many times. But you know, if you have a systematic approach, um, an approach that we use in Rate Fast, these questions are no longer subjective; they're very objective, and <laughs> and it's very simple to answer yes or no to do they get a pain out on do they get this, and in fact. Um, you can even say by how much percentage they were above or below the threshold for these, um, mm -hmm. which is impressive for people to hear. They were yeah. under the threshold by 30%. They were over the threshold by 70%. You know, wow. and these, these values um, become very easy if you, if you have a system to operate in that makes sense and that it's consistent. Yes. Yeah, so we have a, uh, this, this, it, it sounds very mysterious to me, just, just in, by virtue of, the name, but um, what is what is the third attorney? Well, the third attorney, I think, is something that is not seen very often in work comp depositions. So as I said at the beginning, you usually have two. You mm -hmm. have the applicant's attorney and you have the defense attorney. But everyone in the deposition um, is allowed to be represented. So the doctor who's the deponent can bring their own attorney in and the attorney will sit with that doctor as the doctor's being deposed and help them with questions or clarify questions. Um, for instance, um, sometimes it's around trade secrets because some people don't think of impairment rating as something that the provider may have trade secrets or patent pending oh, definitely. Um, on their methods. And there are certain things that, um, you know, cannot be disclosed for the reasons of protecting intellectual property. Um, sometimes the attorney is there to help the deponent when they think a question is overbroad and just doesn't think that they should ask, answer it. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's nice to have an attorney with you as a deponent. It's someone else to bounce ideas off of. 
Um, it's someone to keep everyone in line, you know, so to speak. Um, like I said, most of the time it's pretty collegial and it's a positive environment, mm -hmm. but if it gets ugly for some reason, or someone's having a really bad day, it's good to have an attorney there with you as a deponent, um, to kind of settle things down or say, you know what, we're, we're not going to go in that direction right now, or we don't think we need to do this. Or if you really feel that this is important, let's bring it in front of the judge and have them help us out. You know, and it's, it's, it's a good insurance policy for the deponent, the doctor, because remember, this is not a malpractice case against you. It's an informational um, safari, if you will, for everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so sometimes it just needs to be settled down a little bit. Um, or, you know, you go in with your attorney and you say, look, here's, here's, you know, what the salient things on this case is. Here's what I think are the key points. And you can get a little bit of a strategy going into the deposition. And remember, you can be deposed two, three, four times on the same case. Um, just because you're deposed once never means that it's over. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. 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 Um, cause if the deposition went badly, it's more likely to happen again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or if, maybe it's just a clump, complex case and there's all kinds of stuff to be considered, yeah, you know, an apportionment yeah. or co-founding problems. But, uh, but that basically wraps it up from top to bottom about, uh, how I think about the depositions, the kinds of questions, the kind of education I give, um, yeah. and, and how I, how I like my depositions to go being a doctor on, on the stand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as a, as a recap, the, um, you know, an attorney will come in or an attorney will depose you, um, for reasons yeah. to clarify parts of your report. Um, right. then, you know, you will get together with the attorney and, um, the adjuster and go over the AMA guides and kind of get the clarification of your understanding. I forget which one, comes first where you go over the report and then you go over the AMA guides. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll peruse the report. They'll make sure that, you know, everybody's understanding is, is, is there, there will be waiting in between. Um, yes. Yeah. There, there might be a, a <laughs> bit of waiting between and, mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of the, the best thing to do is just to, to give the, the best possible answers that you can be humble. Remember that, you know, it's mm -hmm. not a personal attack on you. It's a, it's a, an attempt to get clarification. And then, um, you know, if it's something, I mean, I, I guess the, I, I this is something that I would, uh, you know, probably leave up to you to, to say the definitive, definitive answer on, but, um, I was going to say, you know, if it's looking serious, get uh, uh get get grab your attorney but if, if i'm maybe get an attorney no matter what when you get deposed especially if you have trade secrets so for sure yeah if, if if you're dealing with a lot of intellectual property it's always good to have an attorney there um, to help draw that bright line between you know explaining and and being educational and you know divulging trade secrets that are protected you know for your company um, yeah. whomever that would be so um, you know, that's, that's a, a common reason why I bring attorneys in. But like I said, it's always good just to have a partner there, um, someone you feel you can bounce ideas for, and someone who understands the legal landscape better than you as a physician. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just need to get this off my chest. I, I don't know <clears throat> how my imagination thought this up, but, you know, we were talking about the third attorney and this mysterious entity, and then, you know, how 
you know, the, the, now the, the insurance adjuster has an attorney and the employee has the, the injured worker has an attorney. And then I, it just like, my mind just thought up, like, you wouldn't run into a Pokemon battle, you know, between two people with your fist blazing, you would throw out your own Pokemon. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Pokemon attorney. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's you've, you've heard of detective Pikachu now, uh, now, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Bulbasaur Esquire. No, I, I, people listening to this know who Pokemon is. So I, you know, let's uh, hope so. Yeah. We've probably got some big fans in the audience, you know, again, yeah. write us in. If you're a big fan of Pokemon, we'll all do an episode on that uh, with John, you know, that, Yeah. We'll do um, a rating on your Pokemon. Just send oh, the card in. Oh, absolutely. They battle all the time. You know? <laughs> they have to have some injuries. After exactly. Those. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, go to the, the, the rate fast Pokemon center to get all your healing needs. <laughs> so, all right, John. Well, um, that, that was a, that was a great talk. Hopefully people learned a lot and um, uh, details about, you know, where you can find out more about this will be at the end of the episode and happy 2021. All right. And, and email us in those questions to Corey. Corey, give him that email again and give him the rate fast website. Yeah. Um, so I gave my personal email uh, earlier, um, which I mean, write me anytime at c.olson at rate-fast.com. Um, but also you can uh, just as uh, reliably write to uh, info at rate-fast.com. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we will talk. Yep, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. For more information on best practices for physicians who have received depositions, visit our blog at blog.rate-fast.com and try out RateFast Express at ratefastexpress.com.